Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. You know what time it is, Daniel? Hmm. It's Keeneland time in the bluegrass. Most people is that a thing? I just made that up. I've never heard anybody say that. What do they say? They go football time in the bluegrass or something like that. I've never heard somebody say that. Well, what do they say? Is it football time? Basketball time? Logan's cool. He would know this. I'm at. We're all looking at Logan right now. I I feel like that started the football. It's football time in the bluegrass. Anyways, Keeneland. That's not what we're talking about. Football time in the bluegrass. We're talking about Keeneland time in the Keeneland. For those people who don't know, Keeneland in Central Kentucky is a local horse racing track. Now, if you have a track by you, I know where I grew up. I had a track, and you think of a horse track, and you go, "Ugh, it sounds degenerate. It's a little rough over there at the horse track." I grew up at one of those tracks, and Keeneland is not that. Keeneland is a beautiful, picturesque, incredibly well-manicured horse track where some of the best horses in the world come to run for two months a year. That's it, April and October. And it's part of the culture. People oh, go there, socialize, event. hang out. It's a huge part of uh, the bluegrass culture that we got introduced to when we moved here years ago because we knew nothing about that. You kind of grew up. In sort of a horse track community, we knew nothing of it. Moved here and got kind of schooled in that. It's awesome and it's open and the weather is glorious and it's just been amazing. If you were familiar with the Kentucky Derby, you might think, "Oh, that's where the Kentucky Derby is." No, that's down the road, Churchill Downs, a mega track, very large, large track because obviously the Derby is a large endeavor. Uh, but nonetheless, not even close to just as picturesque and beautiful as Keeneland is. So if you ever find yourself in the area, there's a couple things you have to do in the Bluegrass State. Certainly a bourbon tour, even if you're not a bourbon drinker. I love the bourbon tours. I'm not a bourbon drinker. Super interesting. Buffalo Trace, probably one of the best. Free tours, as long as you get on the schedule well ahead of time, I highly recommend the Hard Hat Tour. It's a really good look behind the scenes of how bourbon is made. And Buffalo Trace is one of the only distilleries that was... uh, medicinal use during prohibition so stayed around like lived through the prohibition kind of amazing same location great go medicinal that's number one number two is certainly visit keeneland especially if you come here in april and october and pro tip if you're here at one of those times get up early head over to the track park your car act like you know somebody no you don't have to do that walk in and watch them work out in the early morning if you're an early riser there's nothing better than Walking up to the rail with a cup of coffee at 6.30 in the morning and watching some million-dollar creatures run on the track before anyone else is there. Do you bring your own coffee or do you go to the track kitchen? Nope, because that's a long way away. I bring my own, and then, just as you alluded to, then hop back in your car, drive to the backside. If you don't know where you're going, just ask ask somebody and go to the track kitchen. It's a cafeteria-style kitchen, old school. But what's cool about it is you'll be in there with hourly horse hands— Guys that are hot walkers and just kind of throwing, you know, feed and and hay into the into the stall, as well as Hall of Fame trainers, jockeys. It's amazing. It's just an unbelievable place. So those are the three things. Cool bourbon. Well, I think I only said two. Bourbon, Keeneland. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Come visit us, Jewel Financial. 
or basketball. Speaking We're of which, basketball. Speaking of which, our our podcast today is brought to you by Jewel Financial. Visit us on the web, jewelfinancial.com, J O U L E. Got a new wealth development program you could check out. Get a lot of people say, "Hey, you know, I don't have your minimum." Well, check out the wealth development program. Maybe you are a good fit for that. Maybe you're not. We'll tell you either way. All right. We got an interesting question today because we're going to delve into a little bit more than Andy asked uh, because it is good for you out there if you're thinking about transferring wealth onto the next generation. So, Andy, what do you got? D-I-Y! DIY Money Guys, my name is Andy from Fort Wayne, Indiana. My question is about double E-bonds. I recently received five fully matured $10,000 double E-bonds as an inheritance from my grandfather. I plan on liquidating them and using the money from the bonds to pay the taxes on the approximately $75,000 in interest gains. For the short term, should I put the money from the bonds in a one-year CD or high-interest savings account so I can get a guaranteed return before investing the money into my brokerage account? Or should I cash them over the next few years so the taxes are more manageable? For some context, my wife and I are 31, own a home, and are consistently in the 24% tax bracket, even after maxing out our 401ks every year. Any suggestions on this would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. Okay, Andy, I want to get to your question, and I want to talk a little bit more about the legacy planning side of it. But I kind of, can. did you understand, we've listened to this question a couple times, why, when he's saying cash amount, pay the tax, is he just saying he needs to allocate the tax money for a year because he knows what he's going to owe? Like, why? I don't understand the concept of the using that return. in a guaranteed return for a year. Didn't 100% understand that. I definitely would if you know that you're going to owe tax on them and you don't have that tax located elsewhere. I definitely wouldn't just throw that in the stock market. But you can calculate roughly you can calculate. your tax rate. Yeah, it's going to be twenty four percent times the seventy five thousand earnings. Yeah, that you that you owe on that. Set that aside in a. That's your high. That's your guaranteed amount that you need. And I don't think. I guess what I, what unless there was some other thing that we were missing there, Andy. I think what we would suggest in that is carve out what the tax liability amount is certainly do not put that at risk just get the best amount you know rate of return you can got to be fully liquid so money market cd that's going to mature before your tax filing deadline you know that that sort of thing that's fine but the remaining balance as far as an yeah i mean you're following your system your strategy if it's dedicated for now this is where it comes a little nuance if you're thinking well that's going to be for our house purchase, or we've got a new car we need that grandpa's inheritance bought. That's different. Uh, five years or less, we don't like the idea of investing that per se. Um, there could be some nuance, alt- you know, changes there. But nonetheless, high interest, you know, et cetera. But uh, if it's not, if it's for your future and it's for your future investment strategy, supplement retirement savings, I mean, I don't, I don't like the idea of timing the market over another year, like saying, oh, this is what is happening to people. Money market accounts are exploding. Cash on the sidelines is exploding. Um, and those are people who are saying, I'm going to stay out of the market because I'm going to get a uh, uh, a nominal rate of return of 5% uh, with with my cash, and I'll wait to invest in the market at a better time in the future. Please understand, and I use that term uh, specifically nominal, that's before inflation. 
annualized inflation right now is 6%, which means you are losing 1% on your money, locking it up in the cash. And you would I know what the argument will be. Yeah, but Quinn, I'm not losing it in the market. Well, in the short to intermediate term, market is a terrible way to hedge against inflation. Longer term, the best. History tells us longer term, it is the best hedge against inflation. Not timing the market is certainly helpful. So again, the idea of parking it somewhere because maybe you uh, are thinking I'm getting a decent rate and I won't get that in the market. I mean, the market's already up almost 10% this year. So surprise, surprise, that's already better than your one-year you know, fixed rate, if you will. What say you on that, Daniel? Sure. Yeah, well, let's unpack that for a minute. You said that over the long term, the market is a great hedge for inflation. A lot of that is because the market is made up of companies, correct, who sell a product, which then increases its prices, which is what's causing inflation, right? So assuming that people pay a fixed valuation, which is the price that people pay for every dollar of earnings, and those earnings continue to increase, and that's effectively what you're saying, right? That the earnings are increasing, which is what's causing inflation to some extent, and uh, that ripple effect is what causes the long-term overperformance inflation. So yeah, I would, I mean, it comes down to, we talk about on a lot of shows, uh, it comes down to your goals. So if you don't have any place for this money to be, then certainly invest it at the earliest possible option according to your investment allocation plan. Don't uh, don't overthink it. It's not totally very, agree. Not a very technical answer, but now let's spend a minute and unpack this gift because obviously wonderful that your grandfather left you a Series EE bond or a, a, a few of them. Uh, sounds like you know they matured and did exceptionally well as far as a dominate denomination dollar denomination asset is concerned. However, you mentioned a couple things um, that is slightly concerning, and I don't want to see you make the same mistake if in the future you have children or you want to leave assets for grandchildren. Number one, you're liable for the taxes. Uh, Series EE bonds do not provide a step up in cost basis for tax purposes, which means at his passing, you inherited that, it comes due, you're cashing them out, that interest is due, it's hitting your tax return at your tax bracket. If he would have bought a S&P 500 index fund, that would have stepped up, the day he passed, that would have stepped up to the price that the S&P was trading at that time, you would have inherited at that moment, that entire dollar amount would have come to you tax-free. Now, some say, well, that's a second generation. There's a generation skipping tax. Aha, yes, there is. However, there's an exclusion amount that is in the $11 million range per person, dropping down to $5 million. We're not talking about that sizable amount here, which means it would have been 100% tax-free to you. Number two, depending on when this investment was made, if it was any made anywhere in the last 10 years, the same dollar amount put into an S&P 500 fund versus a Series EE bond would have been considerably more. $100 billion. Considerably more with the appreciation rate of the market and tax-free. So I applaud. Please, please do not misinterpret what I'm saying. I applaud the fact that your grandfather thought to plan for you, included you in the will, the estate, the planning process. I am tickled to death that that happens, and you are grateful as well. I know it. That's fantastic. However, 
For those of you out there that are considering this for your future generations, at least as the tax laws are written now, there are great ways to save and pass wealth on for generations that are outside of the tax liability for them and has the potential for a significant increase in wealth. So please understand that. Got anything to add on that, Daniel? I think we covered it. Great. That was a good question, though. Thank you so much for that, Andy. We'll send you a $25 Amazon gift card. We do need questions, by the way. Doing three shows a week now due to popular demand. We need questions. So if you're out there and you're thinking, you know, I got a question for them, send it to us. Just jump on your phone, hit the voice memo, record your question, minute or less if you can, and send it to us at podcast at DIYmoney.org. That's podcast at DIYmoney.org. If we use it on the show, we'll send you a $25 Amazon gift card. It's pretty simple. Keep it simple. Remember, friends, the secret to wealth is simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest and do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.